RJ Barrett is in health and safety protocols. Obi Toppin is in health and safety protocols. Kevin Knox is in health and safety protocols. Quentin Grimes is in health and safety protocols. Emmanuel Quickly, of all people, in health and safety protocol. Deuce McBride is in health and safety protocols. I don't know what we did to deserve this. I thought we asked nicely for our Lord and Savior to stop giving us his toughest battles. And yet, here we are, down so many people that Tom Thibodeau had to pull Kemba back from the depths of hell to play a game against the Boston Celtics. COVID has ravaged New York City. COVID has ravaged the New York Knicks. And COVID is ravaging the National Basketball Association at large. It is a terrible situation for this team and this league to be in. And me, your host, Kyle Maggio of the Knicks Wall Podcast is back with Sean Geddes. And fresh off vacation, but into immediate doom and gloom is Mike Cortez. So, Mike, I'm going to lob it up to you, buddy. Um, what is going on and how are you feeling? Fresh off vacation, you should be relaxed. And yet... I think my blood pressure is actually just skyrocketed. Uh, I do, I'm not happy to be back, not because of you guys. I'm just, I think COVID's also ravaged my mental state because the Knicks suck. New York City's closing down again. It's just, we're just down bad overall. So yeah, that's where I'm at right now. And by the way, I tried to watch the Knicks in Puerto Rico, which for some reason, MSG Go doesn't consider Puerto Rico part of the US. That's a discussion for a separate pod. But the hoops I jumped through, Kyle, to watch the fucking Knicks. And what do they do? They absolutely fart in my face. They got destroyed by the Nuggets, and then they get fucking lambasted by the Pacers. There was a win in between there with the Spurs. RJ looked great. But, you know, the bigger point is the hoops I jumped through to watch this basketball team on my vacation. And that was probably the only non-peaceful time I had. But otherwise, I'm very happy to be here. Wow. Yeah, you were gone since the Nuggets game, man. Yeah, it was just a lot of pain and suffering. And, you know, I, I find it hilarious. Kyle, did you leave out Kevin Knox in your original list? <laughs> I want Kevin Knox respected. <laughs> Kevin Knox is also on health and safety protocol, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> did, I, did, I, did I say Kevin Knox? I thought I said him. I don't maybe think, my, I don't maybe think my you head. did. Maybe I my head was Oh, maybe I, oh man because i was reading i was reading the tweet that i did from the next the other day and i had him listed last and then i think in my head i didn't want to list him <laughs> last because i didn't want to leave off with kevin fucking knock so i was trying to scoot him up the list a little bit to get sandwiched in the middle but uh now i gotta now we gotta listen back now i don't know now i don't remember if i said it <laughs> or not now it's like I <laughs> but yeah i mean mike you you missed Quite a bit, man. So that Nuggets game was a debacle. RJ looked good against the Spurs. Uh, you know, the, the Pacers game, the, the Raptors game, the Bucks game, the, which was really the Quentin Grimes game. Uh, the Warriors game, we know all about. You know, Steph broke the record. That was, we haven't talked since the, the Steph 
game. So, uh, you know, let's, let's before we get back into the doom and gloom of all the losses real quick and uh, the, the mounting list of, of COVID, um, I would like to say that I enjoyed Steph breaking the record of MSG. Now, at first I had tweeted, please break the record in Indiana. I meant it. Uh, I did not want to see another record broken as we were playing like dog shit at the time that I tweeted it. But once he didn't break the record in Indiana, I went back to, eh, I mean, the basketball gods weren't going to let him do that in some fucking Cornhusker state. You know, they were going to, of course, let him do it at MSG. So I think he wanted it at MSG. I think everyone wanted it at MSG. You know, he did try in the Indiana game, shot like 15, 63, shot a, a billion threes. He was trying to get it over with. Didn't work because, you know, just had to do it at MSG. Most of the Knicks, uh, Tom Thibodeau, all seemed to, you know, think it was pretty cool. You know, Derrick Rose especially said it was nice to be part of that, like at least have it happen in a game they were playing. And, uh, I don't think the Knicks made too much of a themselves, made too much of a spectacle of it in terms of hugging at half court, celebrate. They just sort of let him have his moment. Uh, I don't mind that. That should be. I saw, I saw some like boomer takes about, oh, oh, yeah, that's good they didn't celebrate with him. But I don't think they meant anything by it. They're playing a basketball game the first quarter. You know, I don't think it's tough. Let him have his moment. You know, the fans are real good about it, too. Fans are real happy for him. Uh, I thought that was, we talked about it briefly on Twitter anyway, about that being the dream scenario and breaking it in the first quarter quickly, getting it over with, let the MSG crowd give him the proper, proper celebration and do, and then just get on with the rest of the game. And that's what happened. So I was pretty happy to see it kind of uh, unfold the way that it did. Yeah, I thought I thought Steph breaking the record was kind of it was really dope. Um, it's unfortunate that's one of the best things that happened to us all year, or at least in the past few weeks. But um, yeah, the, the takes that there were some really nasty takes about it, man. It was disgusting. Um, people were dying on the hill of oh, like you know, th- this is in the '90s they wouldn't have done this or blah blah blah. Like you shouldn't be happy for this. you shouldn't be celebrating this. And then Stephen A. going up there, and I try not to sound too spicy when I speak on certain things, but like I just have such little respect for certain things. And Stephen A. as a Nick fan, I have like very little respect for, but only as a Nick fan. Like as a journalist, great guy. But I mean, like just being the mouthpiece for the Knicks, getting up there and being like, oh, this is embarrassing. But it's like, bro, the greatest shooter of all time came into MSG, one three-pointer away from tying the record. What, the, like, realistically, what did you think was going to, are we supposed to be embarrassed because he hit two three-pointers? Like, it's it's ridiculous. People are like, oh, the Knicks always let this happen to him. It's not like he broke the record for three-pointers in a single game. Like, that would be different, maybe. Like, he's breaking the record all time. Like, this is a beautiful moment. This adds to, like, the lore of the Garden you know, like it's a like you saw how much respect everybody had for the garden and it happening there. Like, you know, it just it made a lot of sense. It was really cool. It was a dope moment. And I feel like we had to go like this season and these past couple of weeks in particular have been dark enough. We don't have to turn the lights off in places that like don't really need to be dark. It, it doesn't make any sense. Um, I enjoyed it. And then, you know. The movie blogger dude was like yelling at Spike and saying, oh, like, Harry, first of all, people were getting mad at a filmmaker for taking pictures, which I thought is insane. Um, You know, if I watched a guy grow up and then he became the greatest shooter of all time and broke the record right in front of my face in the building that I've been at every game for the last 30 years, I'd probably take some pictures too, bro. Like, I don't know. Like, say, okay, so he proned. All right. Like, he got him prone and 
got on the floor. It was, it was a dope picture. Like, it is what it is. Like, we don't have to, you know, get overly upset about things. I thought the Knicks played well that night. Um, you know, we fought back into the game. We got a good game from Julius. Uh, we got a couple. That we saw flashes from Deuce that game. Uh, you know, we got two points in 29 minutes from the other guy. Um, but it was a good game overall. I thought we played well and with good energy and, you know, shorthanded. We came across the team with the top record in the NBA or second at the time, but second best record in the NBA with the greatest shooter of all time, looking to break a record in his favorite building outside of his own and played them well. So I don't really know what people wanted to be upset about. One thing to be upset about, and it's more, it's not even like something really mad worth getting mad about rather, but the Steph Nick's laughing stuff is like kind of corny at this point. We all know David Kahn, the Timberwolves GM, is the one that should be getting the brunt of this. He got selected right in front of the Knicks. If anything, it's just an example of the Knicks' bad luck. But I don't understand. Like, it's every year. I guarantee you when he retires, this happens. When he's in the Hall of Fame, it's going to be mentioned. And hopefully we are not alive to see this. But when he dies, it's going to be like, oh, by the way, Knicks could have got him. It's like, enough already. It's not accurate. And it's just you just sound stupid. So... For the people that are mad at that, I'm with you. Yeah, I just I, I tweeted, you know, similar sentiments. And there's so there's so many like really good draft things like that to throw in our face. Like so many credible ones, even from that draft, if I'm not mistaken, DeRozan. DeRozan, yeah, exactly. Like you. like you could have just like you could have used that one. That was actually a good one. You you could have. We always needed a guard, and we just refused to take a guard so we could take mediocre power forward in that draft like that that's a that's a valid excellent point to make there's so many so many draft points you can make over so many years the Steph one is like I I never do the Knicks for clicks thing I think generally Knicks fans are very sensitive and sensationalist online about getting upset about stuff or forcing the Knicks into things that they weren't even in but like this one was like absolute like case example of of that I, I just thought like wow I mean Accounts that I like were doing it, and I was just like, I mean, we could use like a little bit of critical thinking skills to to realize that, like, wh- why not the Wolves? Why not the Wolves? Not once but twice, Johnny Flynn and Rubio. Rubio's had a perfectly good and respectable NBA career. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he was a foolish pick, but the Johnny Flynn thing. Hey, uh, I, I get the college uh, aspect of his career. I understand that's why you make drafts the way that you do typically. At the same time, like. Yeah, in terms of the hindsight thing we do, Johnny Flynn's the guy, right? Like, that's how that works. So I thought it was real silly. And yeah, it's, it, the spike thing, this is just my own thing, though. I, I complain about a lot with Knicks fans because there's a lot to complain about. But like the spike, anything spike does, I don't know what it is. Everybody hates spike now. It's this new generation. Everybody hates spike. I sound like a boomer, I know. But everybody hates spike. Yeah, he has an issue uh, at, at MSG. He's immediately wrong. He's a, he's a celebrity, right? The, the only one that's coming consistently for all these years. When he when he got bumped from his normal entrance of all these years and complained about it as a celebrity, as as one does when they're a celebrity, uh, fans are upset. And just oh, go in, go in the other way like the rest of us. I mean, no, it, it doesn't work that way because he's Spike Lee, and Spike Lee's always got preferential treatment at MSG. So when you no longer get the preferential treatment you expected, something normally is said so that you can then get it back, right? I mean, it's normally how it works when you're a celebrity. I don't know. I'm not one. I would imagine that's what it's like. I would imagine if I had things given to me or access like that, and it was no longer to be had, I would be upset about it. I'm just spitballing. 
I'd imagine all of us Knicks fans would feel the same way. But Spike Lee does anything, everybody gets upset. He's taking a picture, everybody gets upset. Uh, it's it's just a very, especially for the Steph thing. I mean, it's Steph. Like like Sean said, if you're a fan of the NBA, uh, fan of the Knicks, you should be a fan of the NBA. You should be a fan of the game of basketball. To see Steph Curry break that record, I just want people to put it like really understand the perspective here. This isn't this is not like any dick riding thing, right? That record is going to be so untouchable in ways that the Joe DiMaggio hit streak is untouchable. Like when people look at certain records and go, oh, there's no fucking way anybody's getting that. It was the perfect guy at the perfect time with the perfect skill set, perfect pace of game, perfect strategy with jacking up three. Nobody's ever going to be that accurate, shoot that many threes ever again. It's just not going to happen. The, the next closest guy might break Ray Allen's record one day. And he's going to be like when Steph finishes, he's going to almost double up the record that he just broke. Like everybody forget, we're like only like one decade in, pretty much, right? Like he still has like a number of high level years left where he's going to be chucking threes. Like he's going to have a lot of threes, and nobody's going to come close to this because the pace will never be replicated during that golden era of three point chucking basketball. This won't happen. This won't happen. Like just very simply won't. So yeah, I mean if if. One of the greatest producers in, that's ever lived, filmmakers that's ever lived, who loves to get a good shot, wants to take a picture. Maybe you just shut the fuck up and let him take the picture. We could all get on with our lives. It's Steph Curry, the greatest shooter in our, not just in our lifetime, might be in the history of basketball. Like, period. Like, you might be watching it, fellas. Like, we talk about a lot of good shooters, right? Oh, God, this guy. I mean, they're all they're all close. I mean, they're they're all good. You know, they're not. It's Steph Curry, and then it's like a large, tremendously large gap. Maybe a second tremendously large gap. And then it's going to be Ray Allen and the rest of those guys. That's just how it's going to go. So enough about the Steph thing, though. One thing on more... Spike, though. Oh, what? Uh, I also have one thing on Spike. Oh. He had a Landry Fields jersey. He has my respect for a very long time. He's a very dedicated fan. You have to be very dedicated to have a Landry Fields jersey. Isn't he time, assistant so. GM now with the Spurs or the Hawks? Yeah. Somebody, uh, I think right? it's the Hawks. Yeah. I think it's the Hawks. But either way. That's that's loyalty personified. That he really liked the team when that was our best player. Um and yeah, so I have the utmost respect for Spike. I mean, Spike is like an uncle to me as a Nick fan. Um, but that de- he definitely was rightfully being killed for that that uh the VIP thing. That was he was wrong for that. He was very, very wrong. And I like to be very adamant about that. Like he was as a you know, I'm not a celebrity. It is what it is. Uh, if people ask you to, I, if people ask you to do the VIP entrance and that's your beef, um, if you're mad about being a very important person, that's a, you know that's your own thing. Uh, then when he lied and said that Dolan never came to say anything to him, and then there was a picture of Dolan shaking his hand on the court and like all that. And then my, beyond all that, my issue with that is because I'm I took it very personally because as we all know, RJ Stan, that was RJ's best game of his rookie year, and he body bagged the Rockets and he closed them out down the stretch. Huge clutch performance, big shot over PJ Tucker. And by the game probably ended at what, like 10, 30, 11 o'clock. I remember I was jumping on my bed in post-game prosperity. Um, and by 10 in the morning, Spike Lee is on first take, making this all about him. Nobody talked about that game ever. To this day, no one's talked about that game. And that's my issue with it. Because as a Knicks fan, you should never want to take that moment away from him or away from the team. Like that the game was not about the team. It was all about, oh, Spike Lee and James Dolan versus Spike Lee. And it was disgusting. It was very nasty. So, but I've, I've since moved on and I hope everyone else can too. Yeah. I mean, I think that's more what I think we always forget. These are very minor issues 
that I feel like whenever something comes up in, in like Nick's land, it's like a stain on everybody's permanent record. Even, even us as the tweeters, the, you know, so to speak, you say one thing and everyone's just like, that's it. That's that fucking guy who said that thing one time. I can't stand him. I can't stand that guy. He said Frank Nielakin is bad at basketball. I'm going to remember it for five years and be angry anytime he pops up in my timeline about it. It's like, I mean, maybe, maybe just relax. You know, maybe we just, we all watch games. We all have opinions and that's, that's basically it, you know? And, and maybe sometimes players give us five years to prove you wrong and they don't. And then they go to Dallas and don't play basketball much, very much, you know, either. So that's kind of I knew you were going to bring up Frank. I knew it was going to be a Frank. It example. always comes up. It'll, it'll <laughs> always come up. I'll never let it go. Just an unbelievable <laughs> An unbelievable player to do it for, really, truly. That is nasty business. But talking, ready to watch this, Rick? Professional segue. Talking about actual promising rookies, though, we have Quentin Grimes and Deuce McBride. Those are guys I want to spend time talking about. Now, Quentin Grimes, I know you guys loved him. A lot of Knicks fans loved him. That was the big guy from the draft. Everybody loved Rick. I tweeted something back in August, and I was just like, Deuce McBride is my guy. I don't know what it is about him. I don't know. He just plays with an edge. I, that's that's the guy I was most excited about. And then, you know, we always have these takes about the, the one guy we like or don't like from a draft, right? And a lot of times it doesn't really pan out because that's what happens with drafts, as we just touched on before with a certain Dallas guard. But in this case, I had to wait. I had to wait to see Deuce get some game time. Now, I, I know we, we at least saw the, the Grimes explosion against the Bucs, and he was raining it from deep. However, I am so much more impressed. It's not a competition. It shouldn't be. They both played well. I'm so much more impressed with Deuce McBride. And let me tell you why. I want to see if you guys feel the same way. Not only does he play good defense. We see guys play good, capable defense. Quickly's been playing good, capable defense, right? Staying in front of his man, playing good on ball. That's good. It's good. Nothing wrong with it. You know why I like Deuce McBride? Because he hounds you, but he also jumps the passing lanes. That guy is always in the lanes. I love a guy who's in the lanes. I love it. That's anticipation you can't teach. It's a feel for the game on that side of the ball you can't teach. You know where to be. You know where the ball is going to be, whether he's on his man or he's ducking in and out of the lanes like a little safety. I love that. That's an edge you can't teach. That's like invaluable to me is to have those kinds of instincts, you know? And then the second part of that, is he gets to the rim. Not even an Emmanuel quickly gets to the rim. Emmanuel gets into the paint, throws up a floater, throws up a lob. He does not get to the rim. RJ gets to the rim. He has a little bit of issues finishing, right? Kemba doesn't get to the rim. Fournier doesn't get to the rim anywhere close. But Deuce McBride can get to the rim and not just get to the rim, but finish at the rim. Wildly small sample. His good game was against the Rockets. They had their little win streak. They are still the Rockets. I'm not trying to make too much of it. He had nine assists, no turnovers. So what I'm seeing is the kind of guard that fills in all the right cracks that you were looking to have filled in. That's what I saw. I saw a guy who plays the exact kind of basketball that they needed on the defensive side of the ball. I saw the exact kind of a guard that they needed on the offensive side of the ball where a guy who can actually penetrate and finish. It wasn't just once or twice. He was at the rim repeatedly. Those were some tough finishes too. Especially I think he had one where he went left he did a little double clutch, ended up finishing with the contact. I mean, that's that's pretty. That's pretty. That's not nothing, you know? So, again, small sample. But uh, Deuce really impressed me, man. I, I mean, I, I was really looking forward to him playing well, but I'm, I'm really impressed. And it really stinks that he went to the protocols right after that because I was 
really all in on seeing him play like all out for a week. I really wanted to see what he could do. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely love Juice McBride. I mean, I was higher on Grimes um, just because I fell in love with the jumper, like literally immediately. But um, I love Juice McBride from the time that I, I remember it was like shortly before the draft. I didn't know a lot about him before, like leading up to the draft, but like, like maybe a couple of days before the draft, I saw a clip of his and it was, um, I think he picked up Kate at like half court and he stripped them and went and finished. And I was just like, yo, like, I love the way, I just watched the way he was picking the ball up. And I was like, I love the way this guy plays defense. Like, I need him to be a Nick. And when we got him, I was just really happy. But, yeah, like you said, he, he plays defense like a like a cornerback. Like, because he plays really good defense on the ball. He beats guys to the spot. And But off the ball, I mean, he's with them step for step. He's got his head on the swivel. He's got his hand in the passing lanes. He's he's jumping passes. It's ridiculous. And then as a shooter, he's, he's confident. I mean, he's not just hitting spot-ups either. Like, he's shooting off the dribble. He's coming down. He had that one play where he – you know, uh, denied the ball, got the steal on the cut, came down off of the steal and pulled up for three and with a hand in his face. And I was just like, yo, like, where did you even get the confidence to take this shot? Like, you know, even it, like not even normally that's a, that's a bad shot to be honest. Like in the words of Paul George, that's a bad shot. <laughs> like, so, you know, to be able to take that and hit it, um, to be able, you know, even in the game before that against the Warriors, he had a couple like off the dribble, three step backs, things like that. He shoots it confidently. He gets it up. Uh, he looks confident when he gets into the lane. He got. He loves his pull up jumper, so he's got the pull up in the mid range, uh, and then he finishes very well, as you just alluded to. I mean, he yeah, it's a small sample size, but I mean, some of those are better finishes than we've seen from anyone not named Derrick Rose all year. So the fact that we can get that from him already, and the shooting on top of it, and the tenacious defense. I mean, there really isn't much not to love about the way that Deuce McBride plays basketball, and he seems like the exact kind of and now. Like Tibbs has a bit of a dilemma now because I mean, I just feel like Deuce has to play. I feel like Deuce has to play. I feel like Quentin Grimes has to play like, you know, so it's just like, it, it's a, it's a little worrying. Um, and it just really sucks, man. Like you just said, like it sucks that they had those games and immediately went to protocols because even I was having a conversation with my dad and I was just like, yo, like I've been wanting Quentin Grimes to play all year. And I was right. And he was like, Oh, well, you only see him doing it one game. And it's like, okay. So one out of the one times he got the opportunity to, he was successful. So with that hundred percent success rate, hasn't he at least earned a second chance? But now, you know, without now without being able to establish and build on that, we're gonna have to deal with you know other people coming back. You know, we're gonna now we got a good Fournier game. We're just gonna keep him in rotation for another two months. Um, you know, so there's only but so many minutes to the guard. You know, now there's a Kemba issue with him like starting to play well again. It's just it's gonna be a lot. Um. But I, I really like, I just love Deuce and Grimes. And I feel like they both fit very well. They're both, and I love the fact we, we're really hitting very well in the draft. And the fact that they drafted two guys who are very, like, Deuce is really just tenacious defensively. But Grimes also, like, he's up in his man the entire time. He's getting through screens. Uh, he's getting, like, he had one defensive play on Chris Middleton. It was just like, Chris Middleton was trying to come up around a Giannis screen. And he, like, beat him around the screen. Then he came back through the screen and beat him there. Then, like, made his way back through the screen a third time and contested the shot without fouling. And Chris Middleton shot an air ball. And it's just, like, that kind of intensity defensively is what you need on the court. Like, having one player on the court like that even makes you better. So having a guy who can do that and also hit seven threes within the first, like, 24 minutes of the game is amazing. So I, I feel like we need to have them on the court. I think we play better. The energy level is better. Um, and they're just guys who are giving effort on both ends of the floor. 
and, you know, don't really like, I don't know. They're not pounding the ball into the floor. And, and like, you know, I just, I, I love the way they play basketball, man. I think they make us a better team and I think they need to be on the court. Yeah. I was more impressed with Grimes, more excited for Brian, if that makes sense, because Grimes, I feel like has the clearest path to playing just because he really could be what Reggie Bullock was for this team, which was a good defender and a low maintenance shooter because Grimes had a very quick trigger. And that's what I loved. Like there were really was no hesitation. Like we had with even quickly does it at times with more, more so with layups, but Obi had this problem. Kevin Knox kind of had that problem when he was a rookie where they're not sure of themselves. Frank obviously had tons of moments like that. You don't really see that with Grimes at all. And especially with McBride, it's just a breath of fresh air. And then to your point, Sean, I really think once everyone's back from COVID, I don't see how Thibodeau with a straight face doesn't put Deuce and quickly as his backup backcourt and then elevate Rose because we'll get into the recent numbers since Kemba left the rotation, but Burks as a point guard just isn't working. The team's gotten worse. And I think that's the energy that you can still like Deuce is bringing that energy to the second unit that I think is kind of what quickly is bringing now. And you could elevate one guy without having to, compromise that energy so i think both guys deserve to play i think you guys hit on all the points with deuce of why he's good and by the way he does play like a cornerback because i don't know if people know he's a former football player he smashed up his foot to the point where he didn't have any scholarship offers bob huggins from west virginia pretty much recruited him on word of mouth and ended up being a baller so that's just the type of mentality this guy is and that's kind of what this team has been missing we said RJ, that used to be one of RJ's big things. He's even lost a little bit of steam. I think bringing another guy that with that type of energy could kind of reawaken that. Yeah, look, um, Tim's got some decisions to make, man. Like, I think he, I don't know, I don't know if a, a guy like him feels the pressure, so to speak, from when idiots like us speak on this podcast or, you know, when, uh, the media will get on him. I think he just sort of tips has always been tips. He's always been sending his way. He doesn't really give a fuck. You know what I mean? But I think like the guys who have been bad generally, and I do want to touch on Evan Fournier in a slightly more positive way over the the last two games. I know nobody wants to do that. Not even me, but it is what it is. We got to talk about the happenings and be fair. So I do think he's got some decisions to make, though. Guys aren't consistently playing and doing their jobs. Like we said about Fournier, like, hey, no offense, man, but, like, you're here to score the ball. You can't have five, six straight games of single digits, like, ever. I'm sorry. Like, this is what I was worried about when we signed him. I was worried about the streakiness, right? But you got to be consistent, and if you're not, Tibbs has to do something. He did with Kemba. He's been real loud about the Kemba thing, but it's like, all right, beyond that, well, what are you going to do now? Like, what are you going to do moving forward here? Like, it's not just the Kemba thing. It's the kind of the guard situation in general. Like you guys said, the Burks thing isn't really working out. Burks is fine. Burks is a fine role player in a vacuum. You cannot overextend your role players. You cannot overask of your role players because then they become too spread out and their flaws are too extenuated. And you can't have that happen. You can't. That's why the role players, nothing wrong with it. Burks is really good in his role, especially off the bench. But as a starter, he's going to be limited, especially consistently. He's not going to be able to provide what you need. So 
it kind of goes back to this point we've made since last season. But, hey, if you're going to draft guys, if you're not going to trade these picks and you want to draft these guys, you don't draft them to sit on the bench and look pretty. You draft them to play basketball. That, that's If you ask me, that's what I think you make the pick for. If I'm not going to trade these picks when I got a surplus of picks, that means, damn, I like these guys a lot. I got to have these guys. Because if not, that's bad asset management, if you ask me. So play them. I'm not saying... You know, I, I know sometimes we get too stuck in, well, this guy had a bad game, and, and I, I never want to see him again. But this guy had a bad game, want to see him bench. But sometimes, sometimes it's true. You know, like, we don't like to admit that. Sometimes it's true. So, in the point guard situation here especially, this has been going on since last season, you got to figure something out. You got to give a guy a real opportunity who's younger. That's just how, the way that I see it. You tried the other ways. You tried the Alfred. You tried, you know, the the Burks thing. You, you tried Derrick Rose in the spurts, right? And even Derrick, he... He's played well, but he doesn't really want to start. He can't really start, play big minutes, so he's fine off the bench. You can't stopgap your way into a full-time solution. You need to just figure out somebody who's already here, and if that guy is not here, then you need to admit that to yourself as a franchise and make the move to go get that guy. But until that day, you got to see what you have in the picks that you've taken. So to me, yeah, I mean, Grimes, I think, would be great if he got more time, but I think the Fournier contract, for political reasons, at worst, he's going to be playing, and he's going to be playing pretty big minutes. So that, that is what it is. And then uh, to me, like, I, I just don't get why not let the point guard position be one for the taking. Why decide that Burks has to be the starter? You know, like, why why not see? Why not, why not see? Why not try quickly out there? Just let him, like, really run for, like, a week or two. If you don't like quickly, all right. Well, I mean, you got McBride. He looks pretty good. He plays the defense you want. He gets to the rim like you want. Tibbs loves getting to the rim, loves protecting the rim. Why not try Deuce then? I think you got to try something else out as well. You can't, this can't be year two and we're doing the exact same stopgap stuff you did the year before. And when you, we're supposed to have made additions in free agency and in the draft to shore that up. So that's why we get frustrated. So, yeah, I mean, we got to be able to see something from these guys. Um, but I do want to touch on the 48 thing. So we bullied the fuck out of him on the last pod. Uh, just just to be totally honest, because he was running around there doing nothing. And then, I mean, it got so bad, even in the Golden State game, he, he was just pointing at guys, just pointing on defense. And everyone, I saw some replies were like, oh, yeah, but he's supposed to stay home, you know, uh, in the corner because three is more than two. Most of the time you're right. In transition, you're not. He's got to stop the ball. Everybody knows that you stop the ball. You always stop the ball especially when you're pointing ahead of time at a guy running at you, you especially go and stop the ball so that your defense can recover. Because if not, it doesn't matter if three is greater than two, you're giving up two free points, literally free, not like, oh, he's running into Mitch, good luck. Maybe he could, no, I mean, it's just literally free points that you gave up. So at that point, it, it doesn't matter what you think. So that's why you got to stop the ball. Yeah, I mean, he was just pointing though, pointing. I was disgusted, pointing. This is right after the pot. I was like, this is, this is a new low. Even I mean, I just thought you were missing shots. This is, I, I mean, people thought we were joking about the lack of effort, and then you just stand, literally standing there, pointing. I'm. I was. If you could have seen me in my living room, I it and like in a game where he was doing nothing offensive, just like a level of inexcusable that I haven't, I haven't felt from a Nick in quite some time. I was enraged, enraged that night watching that, but. This is not a slamming Fournier part of the pod, I promise. This is quite simply a brief uplift 
for one Evan Fournier for doing his job. And I just want to clap real quick because he did his job this week for a couple of games. So he did it against the Rockets. He put together a uh, valiant effort of 23 points with little else, but one rebound, three, uh, three assists, and literally nothing else besides that. Hit three of six of his threes. But that's, that's why you're here. That's why you're the second highest paid player on the team. Thank you for doing your job. It definitely helped us win that game. When you score the ball, and it's not just Julius scoring, struggling his way to 20, somebody else has to score with him. Okay? He scores some points. We win the game by 13. Rocket science. Rocket science. The game against the Celtics. Rocket science. Yeah. I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> so I still got some speed in the old fastball, you know. But, um, you know, and then uh, it'd be nice if every game that Evan Fournier could play was against the Boston Celtics because it seems like, uh, what are we, two for two so far when he plays them? Uh, 32 and 32 both games. I mean, it'd be nice if that was just normal. Uh, but, you know, it is not. I think that's his career high that he keeps tying. He just can't get over that 32 for some reason. But, hey, I mean, look, they were dead without him. They were dead without him in that Celtics game, and he was really good. He was terrific. Obviously, he wasn't the only one. Uh, Kemba Walker was back from the dead with 29 points, six rebounds, three assists. Uh, but Fournier had 32, five rebounds, three assists, two steals, and a block. I saw there was a clip. He was putting the clamps on Tatum. It'd be nice if, you know, he's not a good defender. He can't move well. But it'd be nice if you could be passable like that in other facets of the game so that we weren't totally dependent on the score. That's it. That's our only great. We don't expect you to clamp Tatum. I think that was out of the norm. but. He's played better. Last two games, he's played better. He's finally scoring the ball, doing his job, quite literally. And, I mean, even in that Celtics game, I didn't feel like they played terrible. I felt like they just lost the game. Uh, of course, there were certain parts of the game that we can discuss more or less, whatever. But I thought overall that was a pretty decent game that they just ha so happened to lose. I don't think it was a – Josh Richardson was really the issue, but there's always a Josh Richardson with us. So it is what it is. Uh, but – yeah, I mean, 48 has done better the last couple. Better. Hopefully, he stays on track now. This is the thing. He fades, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm not going to, you know, start singing his praises a whole lot, but I am very objective and, you know, very loud about the fact that he doesn't do his job. So, shout out to him for doing it for a couple of games. Um, thank you for hitting some shots. Two games in a row. What a concept. Uh, that's amazing. So, I hope that he continues on that path. Um, yeah, the... That play where he just stand, stood and pointed at Jay, he didn't even jab at him. It was crazy. I've never seen anything like that in my life. Um, that was despicable. James Naismith was rolling in his grave. But if he's able to, like, you know, the thing about Fournier and the thing that's so upsetting is that he's capable. He's not an all-world defender. He's not going to be all-NBA, nothing like that. But, like, he is capable of playing defense. I've seen him do it a couple times. Like, that play against the Tatum where he climbed him was his best defense play of the year outside of, the last Chicago game in the garden, he was active in that game. He had like blocks on fast breaks. He was getting steals. He was diving out of bounds. I was like, yo, this is, this is great. So it's just like, because I know that you're able to do that. Like anytime that you don't do it, I take it as you making a decision not to do so. And that's frustrating. So, I mean, I won't harp on that. We know where his shortcomings are. Um, but yeah, like, like you said, hopefully it's something that becomes consistent. I, you know, contrary to what some people may believe, I don't like, I love being right, but I also don't give a shit. Like, I don't need to be right. If I'm saying I, I was already right, you play like shit. That's what I said. I didn't say you're going to play like shit forever. I said you play like shit. I was right already. 
So I would love for Fournier to start playing well. Like <laughs> I lose nothing from that. Like whoever, if you're in orange and blue, please play good basketball. Like that's it. I don't ask for much. Um, so if he's playing well and he's able to shoot well consistently and give a little bit of effort, I won't be calling for him to lose his job. But if he continues to not give effort or not shoot consistently or go back to averaging 6.2 points a game for two weeks, then I'm going to want Quentin Grimes and Deuce McBride, who both are really good at everything you want them to be good at and care on a nightly basis. I'm going to see them play. So, you know, it is what it is. But shout out to Evan Fournier for those couple of games. Hopefully we get a few more. Yeah, I'm just going to take the temperature of this conversation. Um, I'm not giving him a pass. He scored 31 points his last five games. That's fucking pathetic. I guess my question to you guys, we could pick it up on the other side of this break, but what is the like? What is the payoff to mostly mediocrity and obviously, honestly, below average play? A 30-point game once every 10 games? That's just not what you should pay for. And I don't know why everyone was clamoring in the offseason like we – Signed some two-way monster. This guy is mids as mids gets. And why he's starting is another reason beyond me. But, I mean, sure, you went off against Boston. That's two games he played up to his contract. Otherwise, I'm very good on not seeing him play more than 10 minutes the rest of the way. So, th- this is the issue with the 48 thing. I, I mentioned consistency. Everybody looked. Everybody, box score watch. I, I don't blame them. This is 2021. That's what people do. But the consistency, if you watch the games, this is the problem. I, I said this. Every, people scoffed at me. I, I have a certain per, close personal friend who, te- who will text me who said I was uh, bl- blowing too much smoke about this uh, when we signed him. And I was like, he, he comes and goes, man. He, he plays not even well sometimes. He just does his job for like a week. And people are just like, oh, look, he's scoring the ball. Things are fine. And then he disappears for two weeks. And I, I was told I was uh, – exaggerating a little bit. I, I, I sometimes embellish and said three to four weeks. I mean, nobody takes a full month off, but he would disappear at, usually at least a week on, week off, sometimes two weeks off. And when you only score the ball, it's unacceptable. You can't do that, especially when you're the second highest paid player in the team. That means you're getting paid to consistently perform well, at least in the one aspect that we hired you for, which is to score the ball well. So it's unacceptable to have any stretches of single digits, let alone multiple stretches of single digits, and we're only a third of the way through the season. Very much unacceptable. And it's just like, you know, it, it's sad. Everybody says, you know, it's the politics of it. But in my opinion, I just feel like $78 million poorly spent on the bench is better than $78 million poorly spent on the floor. And I'm going to say that until I'm blue in the face. Because you don't fix your – like somebody's like, oh, we got to, like, raise his trade value. And I'm like, yo, he's not helping his trade value. Like – Unless we traded him immediately after that Boston game, like he's not, you know, you're not helping your trade value by saying, hey, this guy that we gave a four-year $78 million contract who scored 31 points over the past five games, anybody want him? Like, that's not how it works. So, you know, it's okay to sit guys down when it's time to. Um, but once again, I'm not going to be clamoring for that while he's hitting shots. That's the one thing. The bare minimum. The bare minimum in Evan Mournier's case is to hit shots. You were hired. You received every dollar you received of the contract that you received was to hit shots. That's it. Like, if you're not, if you, you know, I would like you to play defense. I would like you to, you know, it was nice seeing him uh, in the Celtics game. I mean, granted, it was Ennis Cantor he was coming off the screens at, but, you know, he was coming and he was attacking. He was getting to the basket. He had some floaters. He was, get, he was getting creative. He was just playing bad. He looked like a basketball player. That's all we're asking you to do. And it shouldn't be a, a thing that's like, 
you know, the one time you do it or the two games you did it, like you said, like every 30, like that shouldn't be the case. This shouldn't be, oh yeah, well tonight Fournier did it. So I guess we could have to leave him alone. He had to suffer through a couple bad games now because he scored 30 tonight. No, bro, you should be able to give us that. Like you don't have to score 30 a night, but we should be able to depend on you. The same way that you're going five straight games of scoring in single single digits, you should be able to give us five straight 25 point games. Or should I, like I don't know. You got to be able to give us something, relieve us, like give us something we can go to. You know, if, if he was even scoring more consistently, I'm sure more the offense would go his way. A lot of the times, we, we seem to try to force feed him. Like Julius tries to get him involved and get that two man game going. Um, so I mean. It would, we'd be a much better, since he's going to be on the floor anyway, apparently, we'd be a much better team if he hit some shots. So I would appreciate it if he would do that on a consistent basis since he's being paid to do so. Not strong. That that was that was the point, though. Like, the, my last 48 point was what you just said. Because I, I see so many tweets and articles about are the Knicks using Evan Fournier right? And I don't know what more they could be doing to use him right except for the ball going in when he shoots it because like we just said, like Sean said, they force feed him in the two main game. And not just for, I, I heard, I, I would hear things like, oh, well, Julius doesn't set a good enough screen. Is that so? Is that so? Because if we look at the data, over 65% of Evan Fournier's shots are wide open without somebody four feet within a space of him. So to me, it sounds like if you're getting almost 70% of your shots where someone as a shooter isn't within four feet of you, is that not the game plan working the way it should? You're getting a shooter we hired to get the ball a lot and score the ball a lot. Wide open looks the bulk of the time he touches the ball. The bulk. I mean, if this, this is 40% would have been a large percentage for me to be making a big deal over. We're talking 65%. It's a lot of the time. Most of the time he gets the ball and he's open. The only thing that's gone wrong is him not scoring the ball. That's it. That's it consistently, period. The game plan works because he's open. He's open. Like, no matter what, if you don't like the two-man game with him and Julius, that's a you problem because the ball goes to him and it's open and the shooter needs to make his shots. That's it. I, I can't believe we've gotten to a point where we talk about everything except the actual problem sometimes. I, I really question if folks know how to watch the game of basketball. I hate saying that. I don't like insulting our, our listeners, our followers, but sometimes it blows my mind that, you guys can look at all the data. Everybody knows how to find all this data that, that they like about Fournier this offseason, all, all this fake stuff about his creation and passing ability, and then you can't find the data that passing. shows that he's wide open and is just missing shots. Wide open, wide open, sometimes super wide open, sometimes regular wide open, but wide open no matter which way you slice it. That That is the crux of the issue. If he was getting tightly contested, they weren't giving him good looks, open looks. He was chucking contested shots. He might have an argument. It's not the case. Uh, I just have, if you're gatekeeping for Evan Fournier, I am begging you to get a life. I'm begging you. You deserve better in your life. Please stop. And whoever suggested he was a playmaker, please watch the games. Please. I'm not even going to bring up his stats on his assists. You guys know he's not a playmaker. I know he's not a playmaker. He's a shooter at best. I don't know what else he is when he's not hitting shots, but he is not a playmaker. Please stop it. Please stop gatekeeping for him. This guy is average. Yeah, he has like no burst. Like, you know, zero. He got he he got around somebody in the Boston game. 
And I was just like, yo, Evan Fournier beat his defender off the dribble. Like, whoa, I shouldn't have to feel that way. I shouldn't have to, it shouldn't be a moment of celebration when you make a simple basketball play as somebody who's paid to be an offensive player. And yeah, like you said, Kyle, to the people who said, oh, like we're not using him properly or getting him shots. It's crazy. Quentin Grimes got off the bench and somehow found shots. And immediately, Kevin Knox got off the bench and found shots. So it's just like, I don't know, like it, it, the shooters are shooting the basketball. So why, what, what is wrong with this shooter? What is wrong with the shooter that is being paid? The veteran that's, you know, we got to have him on the floor. We don't know what these other guys can do. They haven't proven anything. Well, I don't know. They've proven to me that when given the opportunity, they will hit some shots. And even with Kevin, another, like I, one, once I really want to give Kevin Knox his credit here. I feel like he deserves it. <laughs> And I, I know that no one else is going to do it. Easy now. Easy I now. know that no one else is going to do it. So I'm going to be the one because, you know, for everything that's been said about Kevin Knox the entire time for years, he sucks, this and that, he, whatever. He got his opportunity and he was ready. He hit shots. He hit the boards well. He wasn't a lockdown defender, but I mean, he didn't like, I wasn't watching the game like, damn, they got to get Kev out of there. Like, you know, I mean, he plays at least having 48 level defense. So, you know, and then on top of that, on top of being a shooter, he's an athlete. You know, Kevin Knox can off of a cut, off back, a backdoor cut. You know, like, this is the same person who baptized Ben Simmons. He's still responsible for that. You know, like, he, he's capable of set things. He can run, get out and run and transition on the fast break. I, I think that's the team we need to be. And I think that's the, the best team we're going to be. I'm not saying Kevin Knox has to have a staple in the rotation by any way, by any form, by any, you know, way, shape, or form. Um, I just think that, you know, we have to acknowledge what we see the same way knowledge when Fournier plays a good game, even though he's been shitting the bed for three weeks. Kevin Knox has been making the bed and standing next to it. He hasn't even gotten a chance to lay down. He got a chance to get in the bed and he did not take a shit. So I think we have to give that credit. Um, you know, because it will be one thing if this was still rookie Knox who was playing 30 minutes, 35 minutes a game and stinking it up nightly. And then you're like, oh, he sucks. He doesn't do this way. He doesn't do that well. The things that we're talking about Kevin Knox not doing well are like things from like year two Kevin Knox because we haven't seen Kevin Knox in two years. So I just think we have to be fair. So shout out to Kevin Knox for being ready for his opportunity, capitalizing on it and, you know, giving me even further belief in the depth that we have. And of course, because of that, he was put on COVID protocols. So I was looking forward to that too. Like I was looking for, all right, cool. You don't get to see much from Knox. I can't say that he, you know, should have a spot in the rotation when he gets back. So let's see what he can do in the time that he, everybody else is out. Like, here we go. He's finally getting a chance. And then boom. So that really, I mean, you know, Obi, it really, it sucks for him. Um, but, you know, we know he's going to be back in the rotation at the very least. RJ has sucked, but we know he's going to be back. Grimes has sucked because we don't know, honestly. McBride has sucked. Like, these are guys who we just got to see, and we're, like, not sure now. But I think it even sucks, you know, on a personal level, probably a little more for Kev because it was like he wasn't getting a chance. He's been leapfrogged by these other guys who, like, you know, Grimes, McBride, they're in front of him. Obi's in front of him. Like, everybody's in front of him. So now he was finally getting an opportunity, and he was doing well with it and snatched away. So once again, shout out to Kevin Knox, please. When I say, because I said, I, I, did, I did the clip or whatever, and the quotes to the clip were a little bit frustrating for me. I had to just not respond because I was going to get mean, and I don't want to get mean. But, like, I saw the way, oh, oh Nick fans are desperate, blah, 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 like, this and that. Like, this doesn't make any sense. Why would you say that? Well, they're just saying anything now. And I'm like, okay, like, 
did you read the and i kind of put the grimes give grimes and give Knox's respect like on a little bit because respect put some respect on his name bro like i don't know he gets slandered for no reason i don't think it's very fair i'm not saying you know call him an mvp but put a little bit of respect on his name i don't think people even watch the video because it's like it's not like i was like yo kevin knox is the next coming up i was just like bro like he's played pretty well when he's gotten a chance and everybody's like nick fans want anything i'm like bro like what what did i say here that was like oh my goodness like i don't know so you know, Kevin Knox is clearly a trigger word, but I believe he deserves some respect. You just made my Fournier point because Kevin Knox could probably do what Fournier does probably around the same clip for a fraction of the price. So shout out to him, Kevin Knox. Man. And he can attack a closeout. Yeah, and he could get a rebound. Three things that Fournier just doesn't do. And and Kyle, where, uh, please send me the article after this of people saying Evan Fournier is not being used right and he's a playmaker. That's oh, fucking that is fucking I laughable. Will. That I is will. really laughable. Like, what are people like? Basketball is very easy to watch and very enjoyable to watch, and people just fuck it up. <laughs> it's it's it's, it's, a, like, it's a complicated game, but it's a simple game. It really is. It's 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 just more, you know. Concept. Not like, using you, you, like like you you broad once you broadly know what's happening on both sides of the floor, like it's a real simple game. You don't really gotta know a thousand things and plays and what every single term is called. I I what one thing I'm I'm anti is like uh the overcomplicating of basketball of our generation. I think like some sometimes people want to reinvent the wheel when they're talking about the game. They wanna, you know, they, they gotta dress up every every cut, every action, every you know. Sometimes just just talk like a normal person, you know. Sometimes just talk like we're watching a basketball game, you know. Sometimes we don't always need to pretend we're in the coaching room with Tom Thibodeau glaring at us from across the room, you know. Sometimes we could just talk like normal human beings, you know. Uh, that's my big my big spiel. But yes, I'll absolutely send you the, the link to the article, and also uh, make sure you subscribe, by the way, to, to that site. Uh, big big sticking point I got in my replies, even though I did read and, and am subscribed. Uh, I was making a totally uh, fair point on the article, but you know, it is what it is. The point that was, it wasn't even touched on in the article, but I want to, I want to say, but you know, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, Kevin Knox, uh, he did stuff. Uh, he was not bad. That's my take. He was not bad. Uh, in Sean's defense, uh, look, a lot of people are reactionary as we learned. Uh, people don't want to, they don't want to think they want to get on Twitter and be angry at you for being dumb and wrong. That's it. That's all. That's all that 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 that's for. You tweet anything and somebody's upset about it. I, like anything. I, I tweeted something to just just to make your point, Sean. I tweeted something. I was watching a game and I saw a commercial for the Hess toy trucks. The Hess toy truck. And I just tweeted a random thought in my brain. And I was like, hmm. How is the Hess toy truck company still in business after all these years? I thought it was a fair question. Not slanderous. Uh, only time I see you is Christmas, and you sell the same truck. Same truck. How many times are people? How is it collectible? People are collecting the same trucks. Fair question, I thought, and I got I got a response where somebody was like incensed, like, like what, what like what did you mean by this? Like seriously, like what did you? What was the point of this? And I was like, the Hess toy truck tweet bothered you. Now that's a, <laughs> that, that, now that's a very segmented market, Kyle. That's like. Because I used to be one of the kids that got it every year. So that, people that actually year, follow after through year with five, it. After year five, I'm getting the truck again. You were, were you like, ah. <laughs> now they diversify. They added like every year is like a different vehicle. So I get it. That's like, 
I mean, that's like going after adult Disney fans, but all right, all right, fine. I I, I want to <laughs> re- rescind some of my my Hess. I was I was openly asking, by the way. I don't pay attention to the Hess thing. I just I see Hess Toy Truck Company pop up, and I'm like, damn, again, again. They they got everyone in chokehold every December. This is amazing. I need to know what I'm missing about. That was what the point of the tweet was. I was like, what am I missing about Hess Toy Truck that I don't understand? And this is informative. Now I learned that every year it's something. I don't know it was every year. I thought they only innovated when they had to. But here I am learning, and that's why we have these discussions, folks. But, but Kevin Knox, yeah, he did stuff. Uh, it was it was good, and we enjoyed it, just like Kemba Walker finally back into the rotation. Um, only reason I want to touch on this is a uh, little bit of news, not anything wild, but a little bit of news about there's a little bit of a uh, contention between Kemba Walker and Tom Thibodeau. I don't want to it up too much because I don't think it's real drama. I just think it's, I mean, yeah, when when you sign a guy to be the presumptive starter and you throw a, a great big PR tour about his homecoming and everything's nice and fun and you put him in the promos for everything and the commercials and the alternate jerseys. And I, I, would, I would assume that that player will probably be led to believe he's not going to be totally benched after like 20 games maybe regular bench, but like removed from the rotation uh, is, is a little, and again, he, he's a professional. He's always been a professional Kemba Walker, but like I, I could under, I don't think it's like bad news. I just think it's like, like totally fair and, and, and balanced news. If that is even allowed these days. I mean, yeah, I mean, I could understand why Kemba would be a little bit perturbed. I understand that he wasn't playing super great when he did get taken out, but you know, when when you're a player with a, a decent reputation of doing stuff. Last year he averaged twenty five and five still, despite not looking super duper great. He still put up some respectable numbers. Um so I could see why he still thinks he should have a at least a decent part of this team. But you know, Tibbs is Tibbs at the same time. Uh it just seemed like there was some either miscommunication or a little bit of a misunderstanding of how this was going to go uh, on either end, uh, or just, you know, things sometimes sour is the way to that, that's sort of what happens sometimes so i don't know what your guys think on this I, I don't know if there's even a tremendous take to be had here but to me this was like i mean yeah i would i, I would see why he's a little upset but at the same time he's got to play well to, to stay in the rotation and he started to do that against the celtics that was a a really nice outburst when they needed it but you know issue was with the backcourt we even touched on with fournier Kemba disappeared too a little bit. You know, he would score and he would disappear. So it's the total disappearing that was the issue, especially on both sides of the ball that I think is what got him removed. But I don't know. I only have one point of frustration, and it's more, it's not even, I wouldn't say it's frustration, more confusion on two things with Thibodeau. One, I don't know why. I feel like he's trying to be like subtly spicy with saying, like, oh, Kemba's just a starter and that's it, because I have a feeling that's something. Kevin might have said to him, like, I'm a starter. So he's going to say, okay, you're starting or you're not playing at all. That's just me reading way in between the lines. But the other part was, what did Thibodeau expect Kemba to be? Because benching him at that time, it did, it was it was legit. Like, there was a reason, and there's plenty of stats. I, they had the worst plus minus and the worst net, worst net rating, rather, in that starting unit. So it was warranted at the time. But I really like his scoring just plays well to a bench role. And I don't know why 
that's not being explored whatsoever. It's, I don't know if it's Thibs stubbornness or maybe it's Kemba. Like it's like super nice guys are also have like a little mean streak. So he could also just be like one of those guys that like behind the scenes, he's just like, yo, I'm a starter. So that's also possible. I don't think that's the case. I think he'll do whatever is asked of him. So I'm just more confused as why he's not being used at all. Kind of like what Sean said with Fournier being used on the bench, money spent, money spent. You might as well get the bang for your buck at this point. Yeah. Um, I I mean, I got what Tibbs said in terms of the fact that, like, now at this point, Ali Burke shouldn't be the starting point guard. I knew that when we made the move, but I was like, hey, whatever. He's playing well right now. I like the fact that Tibbs is making a change. Cool. But he's not a point guard. He's not a primary initiator. He's not a secondary, honestly. I've... <laughs> Since last year, I've been telling people that Point Burks is not a real thing. Like, it shouldn't be a thing. He should never be responsible for creating offense for anybody outside of himself or the person who might become open when the defense comes to help on him. That's it. He shouldn't be responsible for running an offense. That's not his thing. That's not his strength. Play your guys through their strengths or you're going to make your team weaker. Um, but in Alec Burks being in the starting lineup and with the backup backcourt being Derek Rose and Emmanuel Quickly, that I understood. You can't play those guys. You can't play those three at the same time. There's no way. It's not possible. Um, at this point now, I mean, you could move Derek Rose to the starting lineup and have a backcourt of Kemba and IQ with Burks to the three. That's a possibility. Like, that can happen. Um, but I'm, I'm also at the same, I, I don't think that I don't, Kemba doesn't strike me as a guy who would say, oh, I'm, I'm not coming off the bench. Like, I don't think that's the case. Uh, in what he said about, you know, I don't like the fact that he said, you know, him and tips haven't spoken since then. Cause I mean, based on what everybody's saying and what Kemba has been saying and his attitude and everything, that doesn't seem like a Kemba thing. Like it doesn't seem like Kemba would just stop speaking to Tibbs. So if Tibbs benched Kemba and then stopped speaking to him, I don't think that's necessarily cool. I'm not in the locker room. I don't know. Um, but I just think in terms of how an organization moves, in terms of how a team operates, and in terms of just, you know, mutual respect from human being to human being, like Kemba has definitely handled this like a professional um, uh, publicly, you know, in the press conferences and stuff and behind the scenes, according to everyone else. So as a coach, there would be no reason after benching him to just like freeze him out of conversation that would almost be kind of immature. So I hope that's not the case. I don't know what that is. I hope that gets resolved, though, because that sounds kind of ugly. Um, but, you know, I'm also I I'm torn in this because I have a lot of respect for Kemba Walker. Um, I appreciate Kemba Walker. I appreciate him being here, him wanting to be here, all of that, the feel-goodness of it, all of that. But at the same time, I would rather watch him quickly play basketball. I would rather watch Derek Rose play basketball. I would rather watch Deuce McBride play basketball. I would rather watch Quentin Grimes play basketball. So it's like, where do the minutes come from? You can't give Kemba 10 minutes a game. If you're going to give him 10 minutes a game, maybe we'll just give him zero. So, I mean, I get it. And, you know, I know that Kemba feels disrespected. You know, he was, I, I love that he got his moment the other day to be back in Boston. And also, you know, I feel like he was having a revenge game against the Celtics and Tibbs at the same time. And I love that for him, truly. Um, but it, like, you know, it, on a consistent enough basis, is he going to come in there? We, we saw Kemba have a couple offensive explosions. I, from the beginning, I was saying, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that Kemba isn't doing anything if he's not on fire from three. And that's really what it is. He was on fire from three in the second half. So wonderful. Um, you know, but defensively, I believe he's getting cooked by Peyton Pitchard, you know, like that's, that's never a good sign. Um, so I love Kemba. I wish him the best. You know, he, they asked if he still wants to be here. His response was that he wants to play. I fully respect that. Um, I hope that with that 29-point performance, 
maybe that would raise the trade value a little bit or make somebody call um, because I think a trade is probably the best, you know, the most plausible option for both sides. I, I want Kemba to be happy. I don't want Kemba to collect DMPs, but I also don't want him to take minutes away from guys that I want to see play and guys that we need to develop. I mean, from the time that we signed Kemba, my first thought on it, actually my first tweet on it, like literally right away was, okay, Kemba on a small contract. That's cool. Uh, if it works, it's great. If it doesn't, then you just do something else. It's not, it's a very low risk, very high reward. So, I mean, we haven't necessarily gotten that. We haven't really reaped the high reward part of it. And honestly, you know, if you're in a high reward, low risk situation and you're not reaping high reward, then you just cut your low risk. So uh, hopefully for Kemba's sake and the team's sake, something is figured out going forward. But, you know, glad he got his opportunity and glad he was ready to play. Plain and simple. Yeah, um, I mean, I know that they've been looking to move him a little bit. Obviously, they would. Uh, that's the rumors anyway. I mean, I don't know. I don't think he's got some uh, unmovable contract. I think some team would probably be interested. It's it's a really cheap deal, even for, you know, a Kemba right now, I think. Clearly, he showed to me enough flashes where a team could talk themselves into thinking it's just early season, whatever. I, you know, I don't, I don't think he's got no value. I'm not going to sit here and say we're going to get some, like, you know, an insane Knicks fan. We're going to get a late first or whatever. But I, I think the team would be, you know, a couple seconds, a second, whatever. I think he could be had for something that's not much. And I think it would, you know, appease all parties here. I don't think it's anything wild. Uh, but it is what it is. Uh, hopefully we get some sort of clarity on that next couple of weeks and um, they're going to find anything out while they're mega shorthanded and they're going to need, you know, bodies here right now, but it, it is what it is, you know, good, good for Kemba, like Sean said, but it doesn't really change much of the grand scheme. Uh, we, we need to see things consistently. We haven't really seen that. So we'll see what happens, but um, that's most of what we had. Um, I do want to at least touch on a couple of the, uh, mailbag type questions and things that we got for, for today's pod before we get out of here. Um, you know, from at the real taco, uh, we got COVID has destroyed us, but what will the rotations look like once everyone uh, is back? I say it should look like this Rose, RJ Burks, Randall, Mitch, and then Kemba, IQ, Grimes, Obi, Noel, and then Deuce and Fournier to fill in. Uh, we have to win at least four games out of these next six games to get some momentum. I would like five of them. I, I think we all would. And if Julius stops shooting uh, tour dates, we're going to be fine. And the defense has been better recently. Um, and then he did touch on like, what would a, a Fox trade package look like? Um, you know, he's, we mostly did touch on that last pod, but what, what do you guys think rotation wise here? Cause I, I don't know that much is going to change when everyone's fully healthy, just no one fibs. What I want and versus what I think is going to happen what I really want, and I think it's possible if Thibodeau would just experiment for once, quickly at point guard, RJ or Grimes interchangeably at the 2-3, Julius Randle at the 4, and I think Mitch should still start. I know you guys probably touched on this last time, but I really feel like once Mitch's stamina – I mean, he's clearly having stamina issues. I think he even admitted it. I think he should still be a starter. And then the second unit I have, Rose, Deuce – Fournier, unfortunately, Obi and Noel, and then the other guys are just filtering as B. Um, I yeah, I'm 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 gonna die on the Mitch Hill. Uh, I I want his Instagram suspended immediately, but otherwise, <laughs> I fully support him. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's, that's and really I, I, I think 
Yeah, he's got he's got a, his Instagram has to go. But um, I like when he was out there with IQ and Deuce in the Rockets game. Like he, him and Deuce had like a really nice defensive chemistry. Like I think Mitch having guards who pressure the ball and get through screens makes his job a lot easier. Um, and he was able to you know stay in the paint feast. And they also get him involved. They look for him on lobs, things like that. I think he really enjoyed playing with them. He had a huge smile on his face that day. Um, so I would like to see him be on the floor. Uh, yeah, I don't think that Burks' recent play necessarily warrants him staying in the starting lineup. Like, you know, over the past couple of weeks, I don't think that, like, I'm not saying, oh, get out of Burks out of here. I'm not there. But, you know, if... But I, I know that he's not going to start Quentin Grimes. Like, that IQ, RJ Grimes, that would be beautiful. I would love to have RJ and Quentin Grimes be on the wings. That would be amazing. It would make us better defensively. Uh, I think he would fit well into that lineup. I think the floor would be well-spaced. I think we'd get out and run and transition, especially with IQ at point. That would be wonderful. I know it's not going to happen. He's not going to start IQ at point guard, and he's not going to start Quentin Grimes. Um, so then, yeah, we probably got to settle for Burke starting next to RJ. Uh, I don't want Fournier to start. I honestly don't want Fournier to play, but I know that's not realistic. So, you know, uh, Rose, RJ, Burks, Randall, Mitch, um, and then Fournier. I mean, then uh, Rose, Deuce, Fournier, Obi, Noel. Did I leave somebody out? I don't think so. And I want Noel playing, like, minimal minutes. I'm really, really, really tired of watching Noel play basketball. Not going to lie. I tried my best not to be here. But, like, he's not helping me. He's not – he hasn't been elite defensively at all, anywhere close to it, actually. Um, he doesn't rebound well. Uh, he's offensively inept. Like, I don't know. Where, where should I stop? Um, I, I no longer wish going. to watch him play. Yeah, I no longer wish to watch him play basketball for extended minutes. And mainly, it would be one thing if it was just him. But it's not that it's him. For every minute that Nerlens Noel is on the floor, Obi Toppin is likely not. So if you have a guy like Obi who needs to play more and he's getting 15 to 20 minutes per game or fighting to get 15 to 20 minutes per game while putting up career nights, then, you know, those minutes have to come away from Nerlens Noel. They're not going to come from Julius. Uh, they shouldn't come from Mitch more than they come from Noel. So I just, you know, that that's I think that's my main rotational thing going forward. I know that Tibbs and they're going to, you know, we're not going to get everybody back healthy and he's going to be like, all right, so the starting lineup is – Deuce, Grimes, it's not going to happen. Not at all. No way in hell. I, I'm hoping that Deuce and Grimes at least get to still play. Um, but I would like to see the tweak made of more Obi, less Noel. I'm not going to ask for a whole lot at once because I barely ever get anything I ask for here. So going to take it step by step. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Julia shooting toy dates is hilarious, by the way. <laughs> you know, I... On, on the last part we had double show last week, uh, I was, be, you know, banging the drum that Julius had been shooting better over the last 10. He was shooting closer to 50%. So I was trying to fight that narrative. And then uh, he welcomed me back with some inefficient games. And here here I am in silence this entire part about Julius Randall. So that, that shows you how it just went. So, yes, I would like Julius to stop shooting tour dates. Julius, please stop shooting tour dates. I have a cape to put on and a defense to play for you here. And I can't play it if you're going to do that. So. That's that's my only thing on that. And yeah, it, look, they're not. He's not going to change the rotation. Uh, I, the the way this should work is is you watch Deuce McBride play basketball. You've already seen so much quickly. Typicalized that he's not. He's never going to change it. And just I'm not even going to waste my time anymore. So he should just he should just be Deuce and just let him roll the ball out there. See what happens. It's not good. It's not going to happen. I know. Uh, our, our next question for the mailbag from Atlantis Baxter is question. 
do we know how many of our guys actually have COVID and how many are just exposed? The answer is no. We don't know. Okay. I think we have no idea. I don't care to speculate because this is their health that's normally pretty private in these protocols. They basically just get shunned and, and quarantined, and then that's that. Uh, I have no way of knowing. Nobody has really any way of knowing unless they speak about it. Um, I, I would I would like to think that they're asymptomatic and have boosters and vaccines and everybody's healthy and safe and whatever, whatever. But, you know, they got to test negative. They got to not have symptoms. And the only way to do that is to get out of protocols. So until they're out of protocols, we can't make any speculation. I'll just speculate one point. I don't think it's a coincidence. The Bulls played the Knicks and Nets and both teams are now experiencing massive outbreaks. So that's the only speculation I have. Yeah. Better. It's better. been. But uh, yeah, uh, it looks I mean, NBA's got to pause a little bit here. Shit's getting a little crazy for everybody. Everybody's down four or five guys. Uh, everybody's signing G League guys left and right. There's almost no G League left. So, I mean, we're in dire straits here as, as a nation and as a league. So hopefully things start to change. But Whole team. Yes, shout out Dotson. Welcome Real, back. Yeah, Damian Dotson is back. We did. We forgot to bring that tidbit up in the beginning of the pod, but Damian Dotson is in fact back, back in blue and orange. Uh, I don't know for how long, but he's back for now anyway amidst, amidst this uh, outbreak. So whole team is in fact back. Three dot, no ellipses. Looking forward pretty, to saying that again. Pretty, pretty spectacular turn of events. Uh, I was not, not expecting to see that name. I thought we were just going to see more G League guys coming up, but made his way back. Son of a bitch. We're only missing Luke Cornett now. Uh, the, gang, the gang's got to come back together, but it is what it is. Um, all right, we're going to wrap. We're going to get out of here. Um, we don't got too much else until we see Damian Dotson play some basketball. Uh, evidently, uh, is the current state of uh, Knicks basketball affairs here. So uh, make sure you guys are subscribed. Make sure you guys are, are following uh, the Knicks ball, like following all of us. Uh, make sure you guys are checking out. Uh, you know, we got some good. You guys supported for the, the Christmas merchandise sales, the, the Black Friday sales. So appreciate that. Appreciate everybody who bought all the support. But uh, yeah, just give us a five-star rating and review on this. Help us keep doing what we do for you guys. And we will talk to you guys, hopefully, on the uh, other side of a, a better week and not, you know, these uh, close and stinky losses. So go Knicks. Hopefully we get some good basketball and fuck over. Adios. Deuces. Thank you.